2: what Monday NBA DFS podcast again it's a new weekly basketball podcast I'm Joe Bartle and joined alongside me again is Ben Miller
1: Ben how are you doing uh, not too bad not too bad just uh, ready to get this week started after a nice little weekend You're not you're not riding the euphoria of the Packers win I mean, it's it, it's hard not to when you're going up against the Cowboys. Like, there's nothing better than watching the Cowboys lose, and even better at the hands of the Packers. So, I mean, um, yeah, I'm, I'm riding that euphoria real high for sure. I don't want to talk football too
2: much, but I'll just say I was sweating buckets. Probably even after we got ahead 21-3, I was just a little worried, and then it got to be more worried, and then it got to be you know full blown red emergency worried, and then it got to be all right, we're gonna lose. So I don't even know if we count that worrying anymore, but after Crosby's first 50-yard field goal make, I was thinking, well, they're just going to go score a touchdown. Yeah. And then they just kicked a field goal, and I was like, okay, we got a shot here. There's 30 seconds. And then the Jared Cook, Aaron Rodgers play, well, had me jumping on my seat, but that happens often when I watch Packer games. I, I don't know. I, I don't know even to have words to describe that whole moment, yeah, the whole I, sequence.
1: First off, Mason Crosby, cold-blooded. I mean, he makes all. He made, technically made three fifty-yarders right. with that timeout in there too. Um, but I was actually, yeah, I was actually in the in the office here for the first half, and it got to the point where there was multiple people saying this was going to be a blowout. It was over, and we should have expected that to come back. I mean, it's yeah. one of, it was one of the best games of the season. We expected it to be. We should have known they were coming back.
2: Absolutely, that's. I had friends text me like, oh, my God, we're going to kill them. I'm like, no, you be quiet. You be quiet right now. You have watched the Packers all year. Don't tell me this is going to be a blowout. And, of course, that's what happened. I yeah. mean, I just before we go on to the NBA, because I, I promise we're going to talk about that, <laughs> what was your thought on that kick, the very last one that Crosby made, where it definitely looked like it was going to curve left,
1: and he, like, knuckleballs it through? Yeah, there was some serious uh, – it was in a dome, so you, you don't expect there to be so much, like – different rotation, like going back and forth with it. I was, I think my heart dropped a little bit for sure when you first saw it come off his foot and it was like, oh God, um, we're going, we're going to OT, but um, hey, he pounded it through we'll take it. As a kicker in
2: high school, and I was not a very good kicker, but I was a (laughs) kicker. There's, there's a moment where you're like, this is not going to go in. And that happens pretty much right after you kick it. Like it goes off your foot and you see right where it's going. Okay. It's not going in. And that's what I got when I saw Crosby kick that second one, but this is not going in. And then it somehow magically bends to the right, like if you were to put a backspin on a bowling ball and goes through the uprights. And I just, I don't even know how that happened, other than fate, destiny, whatever you want to call it, or just God doesn't like the Cowboys, which I'm fine with. Absolutely. It, yeah. One of those things. It was just, it was just an amazing <laughs> thing. Besides the Packers euphoria, I'm also on a euphoria from beating you last time we talked DFS Monday lineups. You kind of got slaughtered on that one.
1: It got ugly. It got ugly. We uh, First off, we had the whole Derrick Rose fiasco, yes, yeah, we had him in had the lineup, him. and he just disappears out of nowhere, you know, personal reasons, so um, <laughs> hopefully whatever that was, he got that solved. Um, so that, that came out of nowhere. Uh, I mean, at the same time, I think I had Jimmy Butler, too. Um, he came down with an illness that day and ended up just barely playing. Right. You know, he had like 9.4 Fando points, so that killed me. Um looks like I made the right call with Anthony Davis over Westbrook. I think you took Westbrook. I, I took, took both of them, which oh, was right, the actual yeah. right call. Right.
2: Having <laughs> both of them was the actual true. right call Very because true. there just weren't any other high-rolling yeah. high options that you could roll with. I don't know why I said rolling twice, but yeah, that you could use twice uh, that worked out, and just so yeah, by default, the Westbrook Davis combo ended up kind of slaughtering your lineup. Yeah, especially when you know
1: uh, Rose and Butler went right. Went down but especially base. Butler, who was my other higher price right, guy. You know, right. when he fails, it's it's about over for you. I
2: have a hard time taking much much uh, real happiness in that victory because Butler was out. So I'm going to try to redeem myself by kicking your butt. This day, today, Mondays. That's not up. happening.
1: It's not happening. All right, I, I we, got that fantastic line. We have the
2: challenge down. We have the one dollar yep. bid on FanDuel in. We're going to both be playing against each other. We're super high rollers, so that one dollar is going to be a lot to yeah, us. Yeah, I was worried about <laughs> it. but For sure. Um, yeah. So, well, let's get on to it. Again, you can follow me, Joe Bartle, at JB Fantasy Sports, and obviously, you can follow Ben at Ben Man Doing Work. Still, the best Twitter handle at Rotowire.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah. There you go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, let's move on. Perfect lineup from last night's game, Sunday slate. We had Patrick Beverly, Mike Conley, Greek Freak, Lewis Williams, Doug McDermott, Trevor Ariza, and as cantor Tobias Harris and DeMarcus Cousins. That was your perfect lineup from Sunday. Do you have anything that you want to take away that you thought, okay, that, that someone can use for for DFS purposes?
1: I thought Patrick Beverly was the surprise of last night's slamps for sure. I mean, that's a guy that's usually considered a tough defensive stopper, um, isn't thought to be much of a player on the offensive side of things. Um, so when he goes off for 16 points like he did last night, that wasn't uh, you know entirely expected. Um, he's always been a very solid rebounder, despite being you know a guard at six foot one, um, and he's he's going to be able to rack up some assists with you know the Rockets, who everyone has the green light to launch. I mean, I think they're leading the league right. in three point attempts and. Um, some other crazy, uh, you know, stats like that. Um, so yeah, when Beverly's able to actually put up some points on the board, um, I think that's it's going to help him with his already, you know, rebounding and strong assist totals.
2: I think my biggest takeaway was that McBuckets finally turned it on. I mean, we had talked about him last Monday, and that one, that fell through. I mean, we we both dropped the bucket on that one. (laughs) Got him. And I I, I mean, he finally had it. It's what the performance we were expecting for last Monday, and he had Sunday. So 31 points, which was a career high. He had six rebounds. That got him 41 total FanDuel points at just around 3,000. That was almost 10, 10 times the value. I think it ended up being 11 times the value. Obviously, you're not expecting McBuckets to be doing that every single night, but when we see Moradic out when we see uh, other people struggling this is what i was talking about spacing the floor they're gonna have to find McBucket some time on the court just to get that three-point shooting and when he's on he's on i mean that's what we saw a sunday that 41 fan duel points out of a guy that's 3600 3700 whatever it was that's amazing to me and I, and I think that's the biggest takeaway that we can use him uh moving forward if we're trying to find a cheap play and you know that's a great Let's hope he does this well. And and we
1: have a lineup to build around with other high expensive players. Right. Yeah. And it was the surprising thing with him, too. I mean, it seemed like he struggled with his production even when Jimmy Butler wasn't in the lineup. And then all of a sudden he's boosted once, you know, Butler's back. So uh, that was definitely surprising for me. Considering that he scored
2: less than forty points combined in the last four games before this one, right? It's not like I'm saying you need to have uh, McBuckets in your lineup every single time he's playing. But for the price that he's at, I don't think he's a bad gamble at times. I think yeah. that's that forty-one points. That's probably as best you're going to see him do all season, or at least uh, until trade deadline, and we see what the Bulls do with uh, their backcourt problems and whatnot. So. I, I have a hard time suggesting you got to keep using him, but at least he's an option, and we know he can do it. I'm glad we saw it. That's really what I'm trying to get yeah, to. Yeah, I agree. All right, so for Tuesday's slate, it's going to be kind of interesting. I'm sorry, I said Tuesday. Monday's slate it's going to be a little interesting. Nine games going on, but most of them are happening early afternoon. Uh, I mean, you can almost call it morning for some people, West Coast time. So for, for our focus, we're going to be on the four late games. So uh, Charlotte, Boston, that's 7.30 Eastern time. Cleveland, Golden State eight o'clock Eastern time. Of course, Utah Phoenix, nine o'clock Eastern time. And then Thunder Clippers also going to be a good game. 1030 Eastern time. That's the four game slate we're going to be looking at now injuries to look out for. Really, there aren't too many that are going to impact the games we're putting our lineups for, but we have Tiago Splitter and Mike Muscala out for the Hawks already. We know they're playing at 1 o'clock against the Knicks. Maurice Harkless for uh, Portland and then Otto Porter. Uh, That's the 2 o'clock game, Portland Wizards. Yeah, they're both uh, to be determined. I think that they're going to end up playing, but it's kind of remains to be seen. Evan Fournier, we just learned later today or uh, that he's going to be out for an extended time with his ankle issue. And then Gary Harrison and Luke Gonari, uh, they're going to be game time decisions for their games. Again, those are the early afternoon. The only injuries really to look out for now, and, and we didn't expect Rose to be gone when we hit dead on our lineups last week. We didn't expect butler to be uh ill and and play only a little bit so obviously keep track of these injuries and keep track of the news that happens of the day but right now we're expecting avery bradley tyler zeller kelly olenek james Youngs. they're all going to be game time decisions and i think that's the biggest place that you can find some potential value out of these lineups and injury people
1: i agree um one guy i'm looking at especially i think the biggest guys we're looking at for that game are obviously avery bradley and kelly olenek um I think Bradley's the big situation there. Um, I think if you're looking for some some kind of value play, if Bradley doesn't take the floor, I think we're looking at Marcus Smart, who should um, you know, uh, jump into the start, starting lineup in his place. You don't love the production. I know you, you mentioned you, you weren't too excited about him. Right. Um, but I think he had a three-game stretch where he had 33 Fanduel points, 40 Fanduel points, and 35. So I think there's some value there. I don't love that he's up at 5,700. You'd like to see him you know, a little lower there, but... I think there's some value there for sure if Bradley doesn't play.
2: Bradley went through full practice on Sunday. He's questionable for Monday's game. I have a feeling that probably gets bumped up to probable as we get a little closer to kickoff time or whatever you want to call it, tip off time in this case. Yeah. Um I don't I don't think that Bradley misses today's game. Um but that being said, Smart ends up being a a reasonable purchase if you want to at point guard. Now there's so many options and we'll get into it more at point guard that I don't know if he's one of those guys you want to look at, um, or if it's a, a two guard system. You might find a spot for him there. I, I don't know. I think that I would rather go a little higher on that and, and let Marcus Smart do his own thing on on somebody else's team. That's, I'm just not going to gamble that way. Yeah, that's fair. All right. So a couple of questions that we uh, we kind of put together for this for the four Lake games, we're looking at Russell Westbrook at uh, twelve thousand five hundred, Kevin Durant ten thousand, and LeBron James at nine thousand nine hundred as our highest priced players. Ben, are you picking just one of those, or are you going to kind of do a whole pair, kind of group them all together? What's your lineup looking like with those big guys?
1: I'm trying to pair up Russell and LeBron James for the for the late game slate we have here. Um, whenever James is below that ten thousand mark, I, I always look to pair him up with one of those top contracts. And I think there's enough value uh, value elsewhere that I can actually match him up with, you know, one of the most consistent DFS players um, in in Westbrook. I, I do see the appeal of trying to get a bit of a salary break, and, you know, and match up Durant and James instead but westbrook is still one of those fade at your own risk type of players and i'm i'm not comfortable doing that here uh, on this monday night game i consider westbrook a great player and great players step up against some tough competition um so i absolutely see him trying you know trying to take it over against the clippers
2: so here's my biggest concern and and we'll get into this more as we develop our lineups and kind of talk about it but he's coming on a back to back i mean this is the second game of the back to back we know what Westbrook can do. That's not what I'm saying. But when there are so many other great point guards, not just you know mediocre six thousand kind of guys, but seven thousand, eight thousand, nine thousand point guards available, do you really want to spend high for a guy like Westbrook uh, when there's just a lot of different
1: variety out there? I think you do have a you, you do have a valid point with the variety, and the, that there's there's actually a, a very decent amount of other options that are a bit cheaper. But it's still it's still Russell Westbrook, and I think that you know the Thunder are only a couple notches down from the Clippers on in the, in the Western Conference standings. So I think they're still playing for something here, and I think even though it's on the back to back, I have Westbrook going you know full on. I don't think they're going to limit him in any way. I don't think he's going to be tired. It's still you know first half of the season. I'm comfortable taking him, even you know, on that back-to-back set. I got an interesting
2: question. I just thought about this. Now, would Westbrook at such as high price again, twelve thousand five hundred, which is by far the highest of anyone playing on on Monday, would he end up being almost a contrarian play at this point, with so many other options at point guard available? Uh, do you see Westbrook being a sort of contrarian play?
1: I don't know. I I don't know if I'd go that far. Uh, I don't know what his ownership rates are going to be. I, do Do you think he's going to be? One of the higher rated, you know, higher owned players, maybe. I just think with so
2: many other options out there that I could see Westbrook actually not being one of the highest owned point guards, which is almost a guarantee when you see him out there most nights. I mean, they could jack up his price to 17000 at this point, DraftKings or FanDuel could, and you would see it, I think, still plenty of people roster. Westbrook has just been that good. Yeah. But I wonder with so many other options out there, especially this late game slate, which has at least four point guards, I'm like, oh yeah, I could I could see my lineup having these guys. I wonder if he ends up being more of a contrarian play. I think that you'd have to build a smaller lineup around him, and that's where I find issue with it. Because, I mean, we we're going to discuss my lineup, and I'm, I'm kind of building a star and scrub, but mixing and molding kind of together, I wonder if people end up trying to to sway a Westbrook, LeBron, Westbrook, Durant play, and then finding the cheap options elsewhere, and and knowing that you're going to have the best point guard out there, and make everything else work.
1: Yeah, and I think there's going to be a lot of people. I think you might be right here with his, you know his ownership being down a little bit. Um, I, I think a lot of people are going to stray into that Golden State, Cleveland game. Yeah. I think that's probably one of the highest over unders on the night. There's going to be a ton of production there. Um, so yeah, I think you. I mean, you you definitely have a point there that. Um, I th- there's gonna be some value in in different games and I, I feel like people are gonna be comfortable, you know, fading Westbrook in, instead of using him.
2: With only one eligible center in your lineup, at least for FanDuel, are you looking to pay it for a guy like DeAndre Jordan, who's at 79000 Or I'm sorry, 7900 That's a lot for DeAndre. Uh, Rudy, <laughs> Rudy Gobert, 7800 Or are you trying to drop down a few tiers and look for some better value at that position?
1: Yeah, because I'm paying up for Westbrook and James, I'm going to try and save a little money at the center position, um, which makes me look towards a guy like Tristan Thompson sitting at $5,000. Um, hasn't really been spectacular of late has been largely restric- restricted to fandle points in the, the low 20s which isn't you know what exactly what you're looking for um and he's he's a bit limited as a scorer but but I think he's got the upper hand in a matchup with you know Zaza Pachulia of the Warriors and there could be some double double potential there um, so I I do like him at that cheaper price and I I need that salary or I need that salary break with you know Westbrook and um Westbrook up up in there in the top salary so uh, i'm definitely going to try and go cheaper with with a guy like thompson
2: it's the warriors versus the cavaliers we have a rematch to the world championship the finals here where they are down 3-1 They came back and i'm not going to do any more memes on you here but the, <laughs> we know the importance of this game i know for a fact lebron Kyrie, even kevin love they're gonna they're gonna have their shots how many points are really going to be available for Tristan Thompson? That's my concern. I don't, I don't think there'll be a lot. And I think the Warriors know that you're not going to really get to the lane all that effectively against the Cavaliers, so we're going to settle for outside shots. So are the Warriors going to make those outside shots? Are the Warriors going to drain everything like they have been in those first three games that finals, or are they going to start missing more? Obviously with, a, I don't want to say balls gate, but I mean, getting, getting kicked in the balls and whatnot with Draymond Green really affected the series. I think both teams are going to come out with something to prove. And I'm expecting a lot of made shots, and I just don't know how many rebound opportunities Tristan Thompson's going to have. And that's what helps his floor, at least, where we're talking about the 20 to 25 fan, FanDuel points. It's all basically because of rebounds.
1: Yeah, I, I, I just see the, the Warriors just chucking. I mean, they're that's what they're known for. And, I mean, you may see them making everything, but I, I'm not buying that, especially when you're going up against the Cavs. They're going to be contesting all these shots. It's going to be a, it's going to be a dogfight. So I I don't see them just coming out here and you know draining everything. I, I and I just like Thompson's matchup with Pachulia. So I think um, there's definitely some double digit rebounds available. I do I, I think you have a valid point with the points. Um, you, you do expect to love Irving and LeBron to take the majority of that that scoring role there. But um, I think there's enough a decent enough floor that I'm comfortable trying to you know hit his upside as well. Don't
2: sleep on Pachulia. The people love
1: Pachulia. He's going to be an star, all-star. Zaza. Yeah,
2: the oh, people man. love him. There's a reason they love him. It's because he's, well, he's cheap, really. That's kind of why it is. But <laughs> but he's also yeah. a solid enough center that he can get the job done. And I don't think that matchup necessarily says, oh, I need to have Tristan Thompson. I I think more it says, wow, why is Zaza an all-star candidate? But that's besides the point, really. Right. I don't normally like to to pay up for center. Um, but with such obvious players uh, at the point guard in small four position, that I think should be played. I actually think it might be a good contrarian play to have the center up higher, at least pay higher for it. I think DeAndre Jordan and Ruby, Rudy, Gobert, they're going to have theirs. They're going to get their points. But the guy I'm kind of targeting is Al Horford. He's uh 7,300. So, but solid enough price for him. And the Hornets allow the fifth most Fandu points to centers. And that comes basically from their astronomically high rebound amounts they allow. They allow 17 rebounds per game to centers, which is ridiculous. I mean, I don't think there's a team that was within one, 1. 1.5 rebounds of that number. Al Horford, he definitely gets his rebounds, but what you're expecting from points from, at least for, for fantasy purposes, is more from the scoring points. And then actually assists. he's one of the better passing centers in the league. So if he's going to get those rebounds, which the Hornets are letting up at astronomical numbers, I think you're almost guaranteed to get a 35, 40, 45 point floor from Al Horford. And at 7,300, that's great because he's not even the highest option at center. I, I think he's, he's one of the, the most chalk plays that I could have in my lineup today. I think I'm going to do a few different ones, but I think Horford's going to be in my lineup every single time.
1: I, I like what you did there. With I do like what you did with um, you got those three higher priced guys: DeAndre Jordan, Horford, and Gobert. I like I like your choice of Horford. I do. You know, Horford was upwards of eight thousand as a as a salary earlier in the season. So you know he's down here at seventy three seventy three hundred, and I, I I think you're right about the floor 30 thirty thirty to thirty five points, uh, Fanduel points wise. So I think of those three options, I'd also be pretty comfortable using Horford if you're actually deciding to pay up for a center, depending on
2: injury. I would be shocked. Like, I mean, as long as he stays healthy, plays thirty, thirty-five minutes a game for this game, I'd be shocked if he doesn't get at least forty Fanduel points. I just think that the Hornets are going to allow enough rebounds for him to get his numbers there, and you know he's going to be a scoring threat. And the Celtics need to win this game to stay in the race for the playoffs. I mean, well, they're they're still doing fine, but this is all about a seeding matchup, and I think you're going to see plenty of the Kemba Walker, Isaiah Thomas dueling. And Horford's going to be on the side getting his, getting the points that he needs, and again assists blocks. He's going to add that point totals in. I would be stunned if he doesn't get at least forty Fanduel points if he plays thirty plus minutes. That that seems to be almost on the low end of what I'm expecting from him. So for me, he's as chalk as it gets at the center spot.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, he's going to get his time. He, this guy's going to be thirty three, thirty five minutes a game, yeah. no matter what. So um, his, yeah, he's got potential there for sure.
2: I think the story of Monday's DFS slate, at least for me, is that there are so many point guard options available. What is your strategy, Monday? We kind of are learning a little bit with you're using Russell Westbrook in your lineup, but how do you go moving forward when you have five, six, seven guys that are all around seven thousand to nine thousand that could not be very reasonable plays?
1: I think with Westbrook, it's it's kind of that you know standout situation where you. I mean, in my opinion, it's, it's again that um you know fade at your own risk type of situation so um with a guy like him there I'm I'm always always taking him but if yeah if there's that many options otherwise at that you know that mid 7000 range um uh, it's i I I do like getting like two of those guys almost you know if 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 Westbrook was not in this game I'd be comfortable getting two of those you know middle to upper tier guys and mm-hmm. using that as mm-hmm. a as a foundation to my lineup
2: I think that's the strategy to go with. I, and we'll kind of compare our lineups when we're done here and look at it. But just on the outset, when I was looking at paper, I'm like, oh, I, I know Westbrook's a baller. I get that. But I would much rather have the two point guards for right around $8,000 uh, than have to spend up for 4000 for one of them and then sacrifice elsewhere in my lineup. I think you're going to have definite positions on Monday where you're going to be punting. There's just going to be certain areas. I'm I'm looking at you, shooting guard. That's uh, that's exactly where I'm punting. Um, but that's where you can pay up for the point guard spot. And there's enough really great matchups, or at least there's enough really great players that could play great in the matchup. Where I find that there's there's too much to use other than Westbrook. I I just can't find myself going there. And I like to that consistency that he's going to give you. So that's kind of the strategy I'm looking at. And I don't want to give too much away just yet because. The people got to listen to the end, Ben. Absolutely, got to get the yeah. people to listen to the end <laughs> to what our lineups are going to be. But I'm definitely leaning more towards the two point guard range around seven thousand, eight thousand dollars, and that's I think, I think that's the way you got to go on Monday. But we'll find out, I guess, when we when we talk again Wednesday,
1: <laughs> right? And like I said, I I just love. I'm, I'm a little too in love with Westbrook for tonight that I can't I can't find myself dropping down to that double double uh, you know middle tier type of type of lineup
2: is there any specific player that you feel is going to be super big value for you on monday slate especially
1: these last four games late four games yeah we're talking about point guard position and i think i'm going to try and go austin rivers there he's one of my value plays you know rivers showed he can put some numbers up after a strong start to january Um, before missing a game with an illness he posted two actually pretty impressive outings one was a 28.7 assist showing against the grizzlies Um, the other was a 24.6 rebound outing versus the king's I mean that was forty three and thirty one Fanduel points in those games. You know he's since come do- come back down to earth uh, quite a bit with some weaker production of late. Um, but that's actually brought his price down to forty four hundred, which is very decent value for a guy like Rivers. You know he's still expected to run with the starters. You know, Blake Griffin's still out, and they're taking that three guard approach with Chris Paul and JJ Redick, um, which means he's which means he's locked in for that thirty plus minutes role in the rotation. So I definitely think he's more than capable of putting up another big game. He's already shown it once or twice, you know, in those, you know, before that illness. Um but yeah, I think at 4400 or 4, yeah, 4400 he's, you know, got great value.
2: Absolutely agree with you. I mean, I I think Rivers was a guy I targeted action season-long leagues um as more of a backup to to Chris Paul, thinking if Paul goes down, and he normally does throughout the season, that Rivers would be a guy that fills in and does pretty nicely. I was not expecting the type of performance that he's had this year and frankly, it's been I think uh I think it's even been more of like a wildest expectations for me as father. Like I don't even think Doc Rivers is thinking, man. Austin's going to be carrying our teams at times, and he and he has throughout the year, especially these last month or so. He's been an incredible performer, and I think that um, 43 and 31 FanDuel points respectively, that puts you on the radar most times. For under $4,500, I think Rivers is definitely one of those guys that you could target if you wanted to spend it for Westbrook and try to find cheaper options elsewhere.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, Blake Griffin's king, and on a return— that's going to take a pretty hit pretty big hit to his value but in in the meantime he's still you know that option that's you know pretty solid especially you know is in DFS specifically he's pretty he's, he's pretty cheap so I, I do like that
2: all right give me
1: another name that you're looking out for value wise we can try the newest calf, Kyle Korver. You sound so unconfident when you say it. Oh no, I, I we like can try. We
2: could try. We could it's try. like we're doing an ice cream flavor we've never had before.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I guess I, it is kind of a new, you know, flavor for me. I've never used him in a DFS contest, <laughs> so um, yeah, he's at thirty nine hundred, very cheap. Um, it, it clearly took him a few games to adjust to his new team. Friday's um, his matchup with the Kings; that was a good indicator on how good he can be. Um, a lot of DFS fan, players aren't really a fan of using a guy who's coming off the bench but I feel comfortable making a few exceptions especially for a guy like Corver, who's still getting the majority of the, the shooting guard minutes anyway I mean DeAndre Liggins is starting ahead of him um, but it's largely for defensive reasons um, so that's not really a huge threat to Corver's value um, you know you'd like to see more cross-category p- production from mm-hmm. a guy like Corver. Um, uh, but his main role is a shooter from the outside, and I think he's going to get plenty of looks, especially you know with opposing defenses keying in on Irving and LeBron and Kevin Love.
2: Right. I, well, and I, th- I actually read I think DeAndre Liggins is going to be sitting out, and it's going to be Amon Shumpert that gets the start okay. against the Warriors. So here's my concern with Horford, and and I'll preface this by saying I am playing him in my lineup tonight, so there it's not that big of a concern. But I wonder if the Cavs want to tip their hands. Right, I, I wonder if the Cavs want to show what they can do with Kyle Korver in their lineup to give the Warriors something to game plan on film-wise if they meet matchup in the finals again for take three. I don't, I don't know what they want to do, and that's going to be the concern. I've read some places, some people, reporters are suggesting that the Cavs actually might choose not to sit or might choose to sit Kyrie, LeBron, and Kevin Love as to not show their hand to the Warriors. Yeah, I don't think they're going to do that. I think they have too many competitors on the the team, on the on the staff, on the coaching staff, even for the Warriors and Cavs matchup to be. Like, like that, but I wonder if they don't want to show what they can do with a Corver lineup. My thought, and I'm going the other way with this, is I think they want to see what they have in a Corver lineup against the Warriors, because I think that's the linchpin. They don't really have a lot to make moves uh, to pick up other players. I mean, I could see a few kind of bench fodder deals where they get some more depth, but the Corver trade, which happened and was kind of the first one of the dominoes, that's going to set off everything else, and their matchup, that was a move in a large part, against the plan against the Warriors. So I think they do play Korver. I think they see what they can do with him. If it doesn't go out well, okay, well, now they know what to do for the NBA Finals. If it does go well, okay, fine. Try and figure out how to stop it because we just got Ten pointers from Kyle Grover. I think that's what we could see. And I- I'm very fascinated to watch that matchup unfold on Monday.
1: Yeah, I find it, I, I agree with you. I find it hard to see these guys sitting out. I-, I think this is a game where you go up against someone you just played in the finals and you're right. like, I want to beat them again. And I, I-, I think the Warriors are going to be, you know, super ticked off specifically because, you know, when you blow a 3 1 lead, um, <laughs> it is what it is. But um, yeah, I-, I don't see them resting anyone. I think they're going to go full bore on them and just give it. Yeah.
2: Absolutely that's that's kind of how i'm looking at and i'm excited to see the matchup obviously that's that's gonna be great before we move on to the Rotowire optimizer first a word from our sponsors harry's for the longest time ben i was afraid to deviate from my shaving experience and and when i say experience i probably should say horror story i mean frankly as a guy just out of college i've been focused on cheap razors and as a result i've actually been afraid to shave at times because uh I'm afraid of – well, I'm actually really a baby. I'm afraid of getting the pinching and cutting and everything else that <laughs> yeah. comes with, with bad shaving experiences with cheap brands. Right. Uh, I didn't think there was anything better out there, so I kind of just toughed it out. Trying Harry's for the first time was almost like a euphoric experience, and I, I, I don't want to undersell it because it really was. There's no pull, no scratching, just a good, clean, comfortable shave. Thanks to the weighted aerognomic handle, the five precision engineer blades with lubricating strip and rich lathering shave gel, I was able to shave the way I wanted to. And better yet, it was way less than what I would pay for the typical drugstore supermarket kind of blades. I mean, it was amazing. It was such an eye-opening experience that I junked my old razor right then and there. I just, poop, threw it right in the trash. (laughs) For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of their customers. Jeff and Andy, two guys just like me who were fed up with getting ripped off, started Harry's to fix the shaving experience. Harry's knew there was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own factory. By taking less profit and selling directly to you over the internet, Harry's offers their blades at half the price, just $2 a blade, compared to the four or more you'll pay at the drugstore. Harry's razors include everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. It's the same package that I got when we got for this promo here. Weighted aeronomic handle, five handle, I'm sorry, five precision engineer blades with a lubricating strip. Trimmer blade, which was really, really nice around the, you know, the top parts, the tough fine kind of areas. Yeah, it was, it was oh, perfect absolutely. for that. Yeah. Rich lathering shave gel and even a travel blade cover. Harry's is so confident in the quality of their blades, they want you to try their shave set for free. You heard that right. Yeah, for free. Just cover shipping when you sign up. Plus, as a special offer, fans of the show, go to harrys.com right now and enter promo code ROTO at the checkout to get the post-shave balm also free. That's harrys.com,
1: code ROTO. That's a pretty good deal right there. That is a deal. And <laughs> I I, also, I often get flagged for having some some pretty shaggy looking nasty beard. That's very true. Yes. If I'm trying to professional it up for sure, I'm going Aries. That's absolutely, that's
2: the right approach to take. Absolutely. Because you really do need to
1: kind of professional yourself up. I know it's, it's, it's a struggle.
2: It's (laughs) it's embarrassing. (laughs) All right. Moving on to RotoWire's optimizer lineup. Okay. So we'll just run through the positions first, kind of go over some names that jump out at us right now. So at point guard, the RotoWire optimizer has us going Russell Westbrook, obviously going against the Clippers, 12,500 price. We've talked about him a lot. We know what's going on on there. The other point guard that the road away optimizer suggests chris paul going against the thunder that's the counterpart matchup 9100 shooting guard victor oladipo 5700 and jamal crawford 3600 i think the optimizer likes that clippers thunder matchup quite a bit yeah (laughs) at small forward lebron james 9900 obviously the guy that you're liking and putting into your lineup and then we have michael kidd gilchrist at 4900 going against the seahawks kind of a a, interesting play there at power forward Derek favors 4700 against the suns and maurice spates Going against the Thunder, 4,100. And then center, rounding out your boy, Tristan Thompson, 5,000. So is there any of those guys that you're like, okay, what are you gaining from the optimizer right now that you're looking at
1: here? I know he's just a value play, but not a huge fan of Maurice Spades, getting some added minutes with Blake Griffin out. But I think his potential is extremely limited, and he struggled to get to that 15 Fanduel point um, over the last few games. So I'm definitely straying away there. Otherwise, I, I like the strategy of going with Russ and LeBron um michael kidd gilchrist is pretty intriguing uh, he's coming off one of his better showings of this season he's a player to keep an eye on i, I like his cr- um cross category potential specifically this is a guy that gets you know points rebounds assists steals blocks like, he can do it all so i do think that's an intriguing play at um what's he sitting 3,900 uh michael kidd 4900 i should yes, say yes yes yeah um so yeah i, I don't like maurice bates i don't really love uh, Jamal Crawford but I like the overall strategy using Westbrook James and you know Thompson as that center as well
2: and when we discussed it before I'm not a huge fan of the Westbrook high up top thing. And that's where our lamps are going to differ. But I agree with you that I don't like Spates as your cheap option at power forward. And I definitely don't like Crawford as your cheap option at shooting guard. I know 3,600, that's one above the minimum. That's great. But we just talked about rivers and how rivers really has been stealing a lot of Crawford's image, Crawford's minutes off the bench. And I don't think that he's going to put up enough production, even in kind of an interesting matchup against the thunder where you can find, I think you just can find better options at 3,600 really. And that's kind of saying something because that's, bottom of the barrel type of stuff yeah again i knocked tristan thompson early but at least for double ups if you really want to go cheap at center which you're doing for your lineup i think it's an that's a good move I, we know what we're going to get from him it's about 20 to 25 there is the chance the warriors do miss every shot taken and he just gobbles up like a vacuum <laughs> that's the hope yeah yeah so i can i can see that 20 to 25 definitely for double ups i think there's more potential in an al horford center led lineup but i understand what you're thinking with that tristan thompson one and that obviously the optimizer agrees with you in that sense all right, so can you give me uh, your lineup, at least starting out with the point guards, and we'll kind of go back and forth just like we have in previous weeks.
1: Okay, yeah, we already pretty much talked about these two guys for me, Russell Westbrook, Austin Rivers. Um, I'm paying up for Westbrook, so I'm I'm, com- I'm comfortable taking a pretty big hit on the, right. you know, the salary at going Rivers at $4,400. Um, what do you got going?
2: Yeah, we had, we had discussed your options pretty thoroughly. My point guard option, Kyrie Irving, that's the first one, $8,000. Um, obviously going against the Warriors. I really think he's going to step up. I mean, even more so than LeBron, I think Kyrie's going to be the guy that you're going to be able to own and know that he's playing up for this, this big game and this big matchup. So long as he is in there, obviously I said that reports there were some coming out that they might opt to start not start any of those big three. As long as Irving's in there, I really believe he's going to do well. And then my other point guard option is going to be Kemba Walker at 7,900 going against the Celtics. I don't think Isaiah Thomas is that good defensively, and I I honestly just believe that Kemba Walker is going to have one of those step-up, show-up kind of performances just like Irving, and to me, I want both of those guys in there, and I think that they're going to probably put similar points up to what Westbrook is for 4,000 less points.
1: Yeah, now Walker, he shot just 7 of 23 from the floor and 2 of 9 from three-point range in the Hornets' last game. Do you worry about any slump or confidence issues at all?
2: Yeah, so Kemba, we know historically, hasn't been that great of a three-point shooter, Uh, And just recently this year, he's really done a lot better. He's been able to carry the Hornets. And I think that's the large reason why they've been so successful this year, or at least kind of middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference. I know he struggled against the 76ers. That was his last game. That's a little bit scary. um, But if anything, I think he's one of those players now that will rebound from that more than ever. I I don't think he'll let a prolonged slump continue to happen. Just maybe that's part of the almost veteran nature that he has now. I know he's still in his 20s, but he's been around for a little while. And the fact that he's carrying the team, carrying the Hornets on his back, it feels like I don't think he can afford to have one of those slumps. So at least for my DFS lineup, I'm not having that. He's he's shot over 40% from behind the arc this season, which is 4% better than what he's done before in like his previous years. So I, I just don't think even the statistics tell you that he's going to have another bad performance like he did last yeah. game.
1: And he's he's a guy that's going to get his shots no matter what. I mean, you... He's shot well enough where you know they're going to fall in most games. So I think the fact that he's going to get those shots, no matter what, is pretty encouraging.
2: Well, and you know Walker wants to be an all-star player. And for that to happen, he has to knock out Isaiah Thomas. That's almost what's going to have to happen. So if you want to be in the all-star game, you got to put up or shut up against your competition. This is the matchup for him to kind of show that off. And I think Isaiah Thomas is going to do just fine, too. I also think he's going to make the all-star game. But I think Thomas is going to do fine. I just think Walker is going to actually play better than him. Okay. Yeah, no, I agree. Who do you have at Shooting Guard?
1: For Shooting Guard, we already mentioned Kyle Korver yep. at that, that $3,900 price. Uh, but I'm also, again, rolling with Victor Oladipo.
2: Man, you, you did that last time, and that did not work out for you in the lineup that I slaughtered you in.
1: Yeah, I'm back on the Oladipo train. <laughs> it's more out of a lack of alternative options, honestly. You know, we talked about how Shooting Guard was kind of a crapshoot bit today. Right. Um, and there was, there was a pretty big gap above and below him in terms of, you know, who was, you know, close to him in salary. He's, he's the best of the rest at his price salaries down to 5,700 after being upwards of 6,000 earlier in the season, um, coming off one of his better showing better showings of recent games. He posted 23 points against the Kings, you know, most of his value lies in scoring, which isn't always the most ideal situation. And, and I know I overhyped this a little bit, but defenses are going to be pushing towards Westbrook. I, I, yeah, I'm still fine with using Oladipo despite being at that 5,700, you know, price
2: when there are no clear options go really, really cheap. That is a really bad saying, but that's the one I'm living by right now, at least for DFS purposes. And shooting guard is definitely just, it's a wasteland at this point. So I'm, I, that's where I'm punting at. I'm looking at J.J. Redick at 4,700. You are talking about the three-guard lineup. I think that'll be successful enough against the Thunder. I don't think Redick's going to get more than 20 to 25 points, a la kind of Tristan Thompson. But if Redick is knocking down those three-point shots, and he normally does... You're going to have a guy that could get 30 to 35 depending on who if, who they're covering and if Chris Paul can find the open spot for the the player. I really think that Redick has the low floor, high potential guy that you're absolutely looking for uh, and he's a thousand less than Oladipo who I honestly think he's probably going to outscore tonight. That's that's just me looking at it. And obviously my other shooting guard will be Kyle Korver. If we're going for just random players that we're trying to fill into our lineup who could go off, we know what Korver can do. We know his skill set um, and it's not to save people from terrorist attacks and stuff like that's a horrible joke but I try to make <laughs> I try to make one at least that was it. brutal <laughs> that's fine anyway I think Kyle Korver at 3900 will be just fine for what we're asking for obviously five times the values which you're looking for so 20 Fanduel points I think that's easy enough to achieve especially if we are anticipating that the Cavs will go all out in this game and I think they will so yeah 20 to 25 Fanduel points easy enough for me to expect from the shooting guard spot and I think both J.J. Redick and Kyle Korver have the potential yeah All right, Ben, who do we got at small forward tonight?
1: So I'm going with LeBron James against the Warriors. Gordon Hayward, the Jazz have a pretty solid matchup with the Suns. So I, I like that. Um... I think the Suns are one of the top six worst teams in, in regards to guarding forwards. They're the so, top
2: six worst team in everything defensively.
1: Right, <laughs> it, there's blowout potential, but the Jazz aren't. I don't. I don't think the Jazz score. You know, at, at such a high prolific right. rate that you think it's going to be, um, you know, that type of blowout. So I'm comfortable using Hayward there, and he's he's one of their best players, if not the best player. So um, at that 7,500 price, good middle of the pack option that's pretty consistent with his value.
2: I like I like the Gordon Hayward play, but I'll spot you one better because I was able to uh, underpay or at least not pay up for Russell Westbrook. I was able to get Kevin Durant at ten thousand and LeBron James at nine thousand nine hundred into my lineup, and that right there to me is way better than having Westbrook and one. I can now have two elite point guards, I can have two elite small forwards, and a solid enough center, all because I didn't want to pay the twenty five or the two 000, yeah twenty five hundred for Westbrook uh, in comparison to those spot. So. That's where I'm looking at. I think Durant's going to do just well or just fine tonight. I mean, he's going to get his, obviously. And I think LeBron's going to show up to this game again, so long as the Cavs try and are going to compete in this one. Uh, To me, this is an easy, guaranteed 50-plus points from both of them. Um, And and frankly, it's about as chalk as Al Horford in my mind.
1: Yeah, I, I still think the better pairing, that trio, you know, you had your trio of Irving, um, Durant. I don't have a trio. I have a foursome of Irving, Walker,
2: Durant, and James. And then a little 5-1 mixed in with Horford. That is way better than whatever two option you have.
1: For, okay. Let's be honest here. Westbrook, Hayward, James, and who who else I got here real quick? Oh, yeah. Westbrook. Okay. Come on. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> Ir- I was trying to intimidate you. and It didn't seem like it worked. Okay. <laughs> Uh, no i i I really think that the hayward james in in westbrook combo is going to be better than um you know your your top three um of durant irving and lebron lebron yeah i i think the better pairing is obviously that we've talked about them talked about them enough already um but westbrook is is clearly nine times out of ten you're taking him over a guy like durant right he's he's up there i think hayward and irving are pretty similar in their production looks like uh Hayward's averaging twenty two three and five Irving Irving's averaging twenty three five and three which is just about pretty right. much the same right. almost um so that's almost a wash and i I think with Westbrook with how good he really is I think his I guess advantage over Durant still pushes me towards that pairing rather than you know.
2: We'll find out in our, in our $1 battle to determine who is the best DFS expert in all the lands at RotoWire. wire But for now, I, I continue to believe that my lineup is the best. And even just looking at my power forward spots, we differ a little bit. I'm going to go cheap at power forward here with Derek Favors at 4700 against the Suns. Again, I had suggested half-jokingly, that the Suns are top or below everything in defense. And again, they're not very good at power forward. I think they allow the fourth or fifth most fan dual points to power forwards. Favors is again one of those guys, just like J.J. Redick, only better, where you know that the potential of what Favors can do outweighs anything that he's at. The fact that he's at 4700 is just based solely off of the fact that he was injured for most of the last month, and I think now he's running back into shape. They're using him a little more effectively. Um, I think Favors is going to easily get around 25, 30 points, and at 4700 that's that's a ridiculous price. And My other option at power forward, Channing Frye at 3600 Of the two options that we talked about with that were bottom of the barrel, minimum priced, I would much rather have Channing Fry than who the optimizer suggested, which was Jamal Crawford. I mean, I think Channing Fry might be one of those guys that helps sway that Warriors-Cavs game a little bit more. And again, if we are expecting them to try, and I keep saying it over and over again because I'm now I'm just kind of letting down for a pitfall here. If we're expecting them to try, I think Channing Fry is going to make a big difference as far as spacing the floor and hitting a bunch of knockdown three-pointers. So all I'm looking for is... Twenty Fanduel points at most, because everywhere else I'm getting my lineup is going to is going to do exponentially well. So if he can get twenty Fanduel points, if he can knock down three or four three pointers, that's all I really need for this this to work out in my favor.
1: Yeah, like you said, I think there's a pretty solid cap on what he can do. Right. But if you're looking for that, you know, twenty to twenty five point, you know, Fanduel point range, that's that's a fine option. I I I wouldn't personally go for that. Um, I, I want you know every player to have that that previous history of potentially hitting that 30 point mark right but at the same time if you yeah i I, if you're trying to max out elsewhere and you still want you know that solid production that you know is going to be right around that 20 point 25 point mark i can i can see where you're going with that
2: i think that's just the one area that if i had to redo it if i had to change it i would try to find something else for channing fry but that's just where i'm at right now where i think that's the best option to do yeah
1: Yeah. uh who do you have a power forward so I'm also going in with Derek Favors. I think he was on that minutes restriction for a while. Yep. Um, but he's pretty much off that. I think he recorded 32 minutes or something like that in his last game. So he's off that. He's got a lot of potential. I I think that, yeah, he he may not have had the best of production of late, but that's, like I said, it's because of that minutes restriction. I think there's a, a decent chance he, he starts taking on a bigger you know role offensively. Right.
2: But, and I think that's that's fair to say. I mean, we we could talk all day, but I think besides Al Horford, Derek Favors to me is by far the the most chalkiest play. I think you are going to see him in a lot of different lineups too. Obviously, the Suns matchup is is good for the Jazz. I know they don't score that much, but it's good at least for Favors. And, you know, I think he's just a good player. That's that's really what it is. Yeah. And for my last player, obviously, center, Al Horford. I've talked about him a lot. I really think he's one of those guys, just like I was campaigning for Buddy Heald last Monday, I really think that Al Horford's going to be the guy that you need to have in your lineup uh, to be successful on, on Monday's slate. So, at least the late game one. Yeah. Um,
1: who do you got, I'm just closing with... Tristan Thompson, I know you already gave me a little flack for that.
2: But. Well, no, I, I I, do think he's going to provide a base, a floor. And I, for, again, doubled up, uh, double ups, I think that's exactly what you need to have. So I think he's going to be just fine. I just would rather have Horford in this scenario.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I got gotcha. you.
2: That's all. That's all. So last bit of programming note we will be on Wednesday to talk some more DFS hoops Um, again our Monday slate was just based on the last four games but there are nine games being played so make sure to check rotawire.com, keep up to date on all the NBA news that happens throughout the day and we'll see you again Wednesday
0: they're gonna kill the love of my life if I don't go back to what I was doing this Friday our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless